This podcast features discussions about finance and money, which are general in nature. This means that it has been prepared without taking into account your specific objectives and financial needs. We suggest that before acting on this information, you seek out professional advice. Hey folks, and welcome along to another episode of the Money Mechanics podcast where we are unpacking the money stuff. I'm excited today because we are joined by a repeat guest, Danielle Brophy, our mindset and money amazing person. I don't know what I was just going to call you then, but yeah, welcome back. Oh, thanks for having me. Money management came to my mind straight away, but money amazing person will do just fine. Money amazing person. Mindset, money amazing person. Yeah, anyway, I'm... (laughs) No, no, don't know where I was going with that today, but welcome back. And today we're going to go on a journey uh, around retirement and mindset. I think where this this conversation came from is I'd recently listened to the audio book Die With Zero uh, written by Bill Perkins. And it's really a fascinating concept to actually think about dying with nothing, die with no money, zero in the bank. And there's a couple of really interesting things that he brings up in that book, but I guess I had a chat to Danielle about it and I thought we'd have a really interesting conversation around the big shift in mindset that happens when we go from accumulation phase where we generally are in that mode of save and and build, build, build to actually spending phase when we, we transition into retirement. Danielle, before we jump in there, I've, I've asked you a few interesting questions before as uh, as you've joined us on the podcast. We talked about early money stories. We've talked about sort of more recent money stories. Have you got an ideal retirement in mind? What does your ideal retirement look like? Yeah, that's a great question, Scott. I will lay it all out that I am middle-aged and retirement for me is a little while off, but I, I certainly have given it some thought. And I am someone who likes to make a contribution. So I may not work in the main concept and mainstream thinking around being employed, but I think in some ways I'll always be making some sort of a contribution. And funnily enough, that actually there's a lot of research around there Uh, around this concept to indicate that you're better off if you're making some sort of a contribution or you're being a part of the community in some way in retirement. So that sits well with me. And I think diving into other values, family, and and certainly things I enjoy doing in my pastimes, they'll all become bigger parts of my life. Yeah, love it. Love it. It is often when, when I talk to clients about the retirement uh, paradigm, it's, it's really about saying, well, yeah, what does the ideal retirement look like? I guess like any any journey we go on or any any plan or outcome that we're focused on, it's important to really be clear around what are those outcomes that you're trying to achieve? What does retirement look like for you? And as I say, it's it's that big sort of paradigm shift, I think, from working life and the societal pressures and and things like that that we face. Danielle, what's what's your insight, I guess, when it comes to retirement, the the shift of of mindset and possibly what what people can look at when they're looking down the barrel of the gun, so to speak, as they Mm. come very, very close to retirement? 
it, it's interesting. It almost seems in my experience in working with people, it's almost 50-50. Uh, some people are very attached to that accumulation phase because when you think about it, from so early on in our life, we're taught to start saving and keep growing and you know, go and get a good job and start building our wealth, which for that phase of life is really good advice. It's I applaud the financial literacy education. What can happen is, though, from such an early age up until retirement, that becomes ingrained and it's really hard to flip the switch and to say, I no longer need to continue to accumulate. And I do see a fair portion of people really struggle with that concept uh, and it becomes really scary for them to make that change, perhaps even just a habit that's really hard to break. But I think one way that helps with that mindset shift is not necessarily to call it retirement, but to call it financial independence. And it also removes some of those preconceived notions that we have around age, because especially those who are close to retirement now, and I will use that word retirement, but same thing, those people who are close to retirement age now have very much tended to be given messages that that's what you do around age 65 at the end of your working life and then perhaps in generations gone by there wasn't a lot more that was expected of people which is very different to now and I like the the financial independence concept because it's simply saying I'm not relying on income from employment I'm relying on passive income to fund my lifestyle and that can be at any age and I feel that starts to sort of wear away at some of those preconceived ideas of what a retirement is. Mm, really, really interesting and even on the podcast we've talked to people like George Kinder before around freedom uh, and, and we touched a little bit on the FIRE movement and that, that financial independence retire early principle but I think, as you say, like that that transition, we are sort of exposed to so much, just build, 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 growth, uh, need yeah. to keep growing along the way, that it is such a, a big thing to, to break. I guess when people get to retirement, what, what are some of the things that you, you see as key behaviours or, or key ideals that people should be striving for? Well, there's a lot of research around this, which is really helpful to give us an idea of what will help us to fare better in retirement because for a lot of people it's a very long time and I'd say more than 50% up to almost 80-90% of the people that I work with they're underestimating how long they're going to live because we've got a lot of historical longevity tables and they indicate how long people will live but we've had so many advancements that if you make it to age 60, chances are you, you've got a good 20 or 30 years if you're in good health ahead of you. So the research suggests that people who are self-directed tend to do better. So they don't necessarily need to be told what to do all the time. And I know in some 
work roles that is something that they need to accept and is part of their everyday life so it can be a bit of a challenge to take on that more self-directed role also optimists tend to do better if they're thinking about their retirement in terms of well how can I prepare ahead of time to express what's most important to me as opposed to the absolute negative of, you know, this is heading towards the end. So there's nothing else I can do but get out of work. You know, it's a very different reframe that can really help taking care of your mental and physical health as much as possible. There's definitely phases through retirement and physical health does decline, but there's certainly things that you can do to improve your health along the way learning to surrender to the things you can't change. And that is where the wisdom comes in, a beautiful part of growing older. Having strong connections with others, so whether it's being part of the community, having family, if you've got grandkids, maybe being a little bit more involved, having a bit more time there, friendships, all of those things will help. And, of course, having a really good connection to your financial advisor because that really helps with that sense of peace around your finances to know that you've got enough and you are able to manage anything that will come up along the way. I love that last one, Danielle. Again, financial <laughs> advice. I do am a, a big advocate for it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the transparency and, and having that person, I mean, look, a lot of the time, I think with our retiree clients, the value that we add is really in the reframe of you're actually going to be okay you've got enough you can't actually keep doing what you're doing and live the lifestyle that you want to live and you're not going to run out of money and you're going to be able to enjoy all these experiences both now and then as you said before as as people move into to later retirement phase and and go from there because i guess yeah some of the the abs statistics these days uh suggest that that Males could live up to 88 years of age and females up to, to 90 years of age. And so, mm-hmm. as you say, that's a massive time frame. Danielle, if people are, are struggling a bit with that, that reframe and looking at what they've got from an asset perspective, they've checked their numbers, they've gone, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. I've got enough to retire. I've got the right frameworks in place for my retirement income. What sort of suggestions have you got for people who want to reframe what they're doing? And I guess what I mean from that is I've worked with many clients over the years and you you probe the same uh, where they get to retirement phase and they've got their buckets of wealth uh, accumulated and and they've done the the good things to accumulate money for retirement and, and be prepared. But then when it comes to spending, they talk about things. They talk about, oh, yeah, we're going to do the renovation or we're going to do that trip and we're going to do these other things. And then every 12 months, COVID aside, sure, you check in and say, hey, have you done that trip yet? Or, or how's the renovation going? Oh, yeah, we, we haven't done that yet. Any tips or insights on how people can change that or reframe their mindset in that phrase? Yeah, I've got a few ideas, but I'm also tempted to throw a question back to you because... No, no, that's <laughs> not how this works, Danielle. No, no, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> I suspect that that book, Die With Zero, had some ideas around this. I am aware that we are on this planet in our current form, whatever your beliefs are, for a certain period of time. And we're somewhat custodians of the money that we have until that time. We all agree that we can't take it with us. 
no matter what our beliefs are, everybody agrees on that point. Merely custodians. I, I love. Oh. Yeah. It becomes a shift from planning our money or accumulating our money to planning our time and our money comes in to support that. So we're aware that perhaps there isn't as long to live as there was when we were born. It's simply a matter of of the reality. But if we start planning our time in terms of what it is that we value, what's important to us, and using our money to support that, I think that can help to alleviate some of that. So when it comes to maybe home renovations, if you love to have family come around or you like to feel like you're in a home of Zen where everything is a really comfortable, happy place to live. Having more conversations around that can really help to lessen that. Diving into where that feeling of not enoughness or that concern of running out has come from, often it's to do with the messages that we've had. Often, you know, that can go back to childhood as well, that you are not able to spend, you can't spend money on it on yourself so that can certainly be an area to work on the other thing is small steps so if you have a lot of fear around spending you can start with smaller things that you wouldn't normally do maybe it's when you go out for lunch stopping in and buying yourself something at the shopping mall that is going to make your life better but you would normally stop yourself from doing that. And provided you've got enough funds, which in the example you've told me, they have plenty, then slowly building up to spending more and more. Mm. We often talk so much about, and you, you listen to other podcasts and you you see other people on on Reddit and, and Twitter, and they're all talking about, oh, here's how you save more and here's how you, you don't spend. I'll, I'll give a nod to Ramit Sethi again, like his live your your best life uh, motto and actually having amazing lived experiences I think does tie back to, to what you said in Bill Perkins' book, The Die With Zero, because he's all about start investing in those experiences as early as possible. Get those things that pay you a memory dividend because he's like the, those memories that you actually create with, with people for yourself are the things that have actually got really great life value to them as well as uh, the, the financial value. And you're still growing as a person. You know, like I mentioned, I, I'm middle-aged and I still feel like a 20-year-old. You're still that You and me inside. both, Danielle. You and me both. <laughs> I, I don't actually like saying that I am middle-aged, but uh, I, I've got to keep checking in that I'm when I walk into places everywhere now and it's, oh, hello, sir, and yeah. <laughs> People looking at and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not 20 anymore? Damn you, damn you, what happened? <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that continues. For sure, at a certain point, your body will remind you a little bit more that you're older than 20. But inside, you're still the same being. But I think you grow. And if you're approaching retirement or financial independence with the mindset that this is an opportunity to continue to grow, but in another way, you're going to have a much happier life and those experiences will only enrich 
what's already there and what's already developing. Mm, so very true. I think some of the other things that, that Bill talks to around either giving money to charity or, or children uh, at the right time. So there's a, there's a moment in the, the book that he talks around, uh, now I'm doing a book review today, but we often don't have money in our lives at the right times. And so when you're, you're young and, and you've got ability and desire to go and travel the world and, and have it, all these amazing lived experiences, you don't necessarily have the money to be able to do it or you're madly saving to try and get into the property market or to start that that process. And so it's fascinating that he's actually saying, hey, give give money to and, and support your, your kids or charities uh, when it's actually most valuable. So that's uh, that's interesting. And then I like the point probably ties to some of the things you've just said there, but don't just live on autopilot. So actually mm. being able to take control of and be mindful of it and actually say, mm. hey, this is what's happening in the background for me, but I can actually... I've got choice around how I interact with this and how I actually engage with this uh, on the day-to-day, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. I think what can trip some people up is, especially if they don't like their job towards the end of retirement, is they can be so focused of getting out of their current situation that they're not necessarily thinking about what their future situation will be like. And that gives people a lot in retirement there's a lot of free time so you can plan in your holidays and do your trips and and see family there's also a lot of time that you can choose to structure or not and i think it really helps to have that deep thinking and and reflection on the need to structure some of it For a lot of people, there is a lot of value in structuring some of it, whether it's every Saturday going out on the golf course with the mates or whether it's doing volunteer work on a Wednesday morning, whatever it is. But that really helps so that we don't just fall into, I'm going to watch TV today. And then, of course, you know, that things happen like COVID A lot of people, unfortunately, weren't able to do the travel that they wanted in retirement, things like that. Then there's that choice. What what am I going to do with that time? My father, who is quite possibly undiagnosed dyslexic, decided to sit down and write a full book in that time. And now that everything's opened up, he's having a great time traveling and talking to people and it's not necessarily number one on the bestseller list but his life is more enriched because of it so there's always something that we can do love it what 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 did he write about it was a a memoir yeah biography is it is it available anywhere should we uh should we plug that (laughs) you get uh increases uh sales it's uh it, it could you could do a podcast on it you could turn into uh like, like, I think there's another one about a, a dad writing a porno or something. Hopefully, it wasn't a, a pornographic biography. Anyway, it wasn't a porno. <laughs> Hi, Danielle's dad. Sorry. <laughs> I'm in a bit of a mood today. I do apologise. Back to back to topic and and talking about. I guess how do we instill optimism in someone who does have that fear of spending money or or again you, you talked before about that not enoughness. Are there techniques or ways that people can think about that? I am a huge advocate for gratitude. I know that we tend to hear this a lot, but it's only when you actually start, whether you get a gratitude journal 
or uh, perhaps setting time aside every day to think about what you do have, you start to realize just how wealthy you actually are and how much you have to be grateful for. And that's a great combat for that always needing to strive, always needing to have this, that I can never rest. I must always be on the go. It's a very powerful antidote, as simple as it is. Yeah, no, no, definitely. And and I guess on that that theme of enoughness, look, there, there's averages out there for what people need or what a, a couple might need in retirement. Everybody's different and unique. I don't know if you've got a, a rule of thumb that, that you talk to on this, Danielle, but what, what's your view on, on what people need? I think it's really good to take a look at what you're actually spending. And a lot of people, I think those guides are really, really helpful especially when people have no idea because there's a lot of people who have no idea. But when you look at what you're actually spending, that's probably the best guide. And this is a tough one. If you've got children at home, maybe they're late teens or early 20s, there can be some extra expenditure that won't continue. So if you can get an idea of what you're spending there and then be able to strip that out Frankly, I think that's the best way to to really work it out is to track your spending in the lead up to retirement. Totally agree on that. And I think yeah, the average at the moment for a couple is sitting around that sort of 65000 a year. And I think even for, for a single person, it's it's not much less than that because I guess there are a lot of fixed costs. And I think it's it's around that sort of forty five to 50000 a year for a, a single person as, as an average. 100%, you, you don't want an average lifestyle in retirement. You want your lifestyle in retirement. And so if you've got certain expenses, certain ways of living now and today, you want to be able to carry that into your retirement life as well. And so again, it might be those, those uplifts, as Danielle just said there. Hopefully, again, if you've got adult children living at home still, I, I often have these uh, hard conversations with clients about make sure that they're paying some board. Now, again, I, I don't have children, so I get to provide parenting advice from from uh, that lens, but making sure that they've got some responsibility that they're building up and, and paying some board along the way as well. But are you going to want to be traveling more? What sort of trips do you want to be doing? What sort of experiences do you want to be having? And so factoring all that into your your day-to-day because as Danielle referred before, I guess there's different phases in retirement. And so your early phase of retirement, you may be much more active than when you get into your 90s. But that being said, I've got clients in their their 80s who up until COVID were, were traveling overseas a few times a year. Hi, Nana Faye. I hope you're still listening. We took my partner's Nan over to Greece when she was 88. It's just about mapping that through and saying, hey, what what life do you want to be enjoying? What do you want to be doing? What experiences do you want to build up in, in retirement? And I guess a lot of people do want to leave money to kids. And so what's your view on giving them that inheritance uh, while you're still alive and while they can enjoy it? Well, I guess I have two views. One is it's somewhat of a personal decision and everybody has their sort of preferences there. My personal opinion is that I quite like it. I like the idea. I like the concept, very supportive of it. Of course, you need to make sure that you will still have enough to support your lifestyle as you continue to age. With the right personalities, the right children, it can be a really joyful experience to support them or to do something, go for a trip, like your example, while you're still alive so that you've got those memories and experiences 
And even if perhaps as you get older, maybe memory fades, I feel like there's still a lingering, still uh, that connection that's been created from having done that. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And I think it is. It's just there is that that probably two sides of the coin, uh, as we often speak about on this podcast, like where you want to make sure that the you're not taking the vigour away from your children and so mm. again if if they're giving or being given stuff all the time then they they probably don't build their own vigor and own own desire to actually take action and and build out their life but yeah i think if if they've shown that and started the process and then yeah you're, you're helping them out and supporting them along the way that can create some amazing lived experiences and and memories that they then get to take into their adulthood and hopefully pass on to their kids down the track as well. Great point, Scott. Uh, you do need to be mindful of, of financial enablement where I guess the metaphor of the bird never sort of learning to fly or, or leave the nest because they haven't been through those challenges. I know I remember buying first house, having next to nothing to to buy for dinner, those sorts of experiences that's it's character building, but it, it it is ultimately quite helpful to have those experiences. Yep, no, definitely the uh, two minute noodles, and uh, I even remember renting when I uh, first first left home, and uh, then having to wrangle the day to day pay. And I was like, oh, wait a minute, I've uh, spent that little bit too much this week. How do I now eat? Oh, that that little chestnut. Um, yes. But again, they're, they're, they're learnt and lived experiences and so you've got to find that nice balance, I think, between the two and finding the right balance so that, sure, you don't necessarily want to die with zero. I mean, look, I think there's a – what's that saying about if you find the right actuary and they can tell you the exact time, moment and uh, and date that you'll die? Yeah. Um, we don't unfortunately have that. And so it's actually about getting the balance right so that you can enjoy those lived experiences today but also make sure that there is enough there to cover you whatever might uh, eventuate. Danielle, anything else you want to add? I think it's just really important to remember that retirement is not a destination. It's a phase. And as you mentioned, Scott, it's multiple phases and stages. So you're never absolved of needing to find that sense of fulfillment, applying the skills, growing all of those things that keep you happy and healthy as a human being will continue to apply for the rest of your life. So it's not going to be something to get to and then never have to do anything ever again. In fact, it's the perfect opportunity to make that shift and contribution to being fulfilled. Mm, I love that. And I, I think it's so important just to remember the gravity. It is, again, one of those big life experiences and sometimes again we do i know go to school go to uni get a job retire we we put those sort of big exclamation marks on on some of these lived experiences but just be mindful of the gravity behind it and so actually uh, i think self-care can be really important as you go through these transitions and so working with clients over the years either on planned retirement transition or where it's been a bit out of out of control if it's been a redundancy or a, a sort of earlier retirement transition it's really important i think to just be reflective of well actually this is a big thing the gravity behind this is actually quite big so it's okay to feel a bit out of my comfort zone and unsure uh, about the future so getting the right advice at the right time can be really important and crucial at that 
that that stage, as is potentially the right sort of coaching and, and mindset when it comes to what is important to me. As Danielle was just saying before, what do I want to be doing? How do I keep my, my mind active still and, and keep my connections to uh, community and uh, the things that I actually enjoy at the end of the day? Because we get so much of that potentially from our, our day-to-day work lives that are uh, really important to think about, well, how am I going to get that when I, I get to retirement, which is, which is really key. Danielle, thank you so much. We, we do keep these episodes short and sweet and I'll add some of those resources and, and I'll even add your dad's book uh, <laughs> website there as well. But thank you so much for listening, everybody. Hope you've gotten something out of this episode and Danielle's got some great resources there around the, the mindset and other sides of things that you can check out as well. So uh, look forward to seeing you next time. And if you have enjoyed the episode, please rate us where you are listening. Bye.